Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Bruce. I, I actually enjoyed that game. I know that, like, I know you didn't enjoy it as much as me, but I thought it was a solid effort by the Oilers and a bounce-back game for Mike Smith. Even though they lost 3-2 in overtime and there was elements, parts of their game that were really wretched. Um, the play of a few players and specific plays by some players. But I thought overall it wasn't a bad game. Um, the Sabres really played hard as well. Two teams, you know, most NHL games are decided by a um, little bit of good luck, some great plays, and some brain farts. And uh, that's ex- exactly what we saw tonight, um, a brain fart uh, by Leon Dreisaitl in overtime. And maybe uh, some other ones earlier in the game. Anyway, we will get to that soon enough. <laughs> soon enough. This is our two good things. Two bad things and two numbers podcast about the orders three two overtime loss to the Buffalo Sabres. Bruce, what is your? Do you want to start with your bad thing? It sounds looks looks oh. like you might want to start with a bad thing, just by the look on your face. Your visage. I'm, I'm so bloody frustrated, David. <laughs> this start with your bad mean, thing. They can't win two games in a row to save their souls, <laughs> and they can't even beat a bad team when spotted a two nothing lead. They just can't get it done. And they didn't get it done tonight. I didn't see the game near as good as you did, I don't think. Ten to nine uh, on grading chances. I thought, yeah, 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 I know. And it was six to nothing after seven and a half minutes. That's... And the Oilers generated three grade-A chances in the last 55 minutes. Okay, that's your good. Let's let's start with your good things. So, yeah. The first okay. seven minutes was your good thing. So you first seven minutes was my good thing, yeah. Seven and a half minutes. The Oilers had, uh, they were out shooting the Sabres seven, nine to one, I think, after uh, after that point. They had uh, six grade-A scoring chances. They had two goals. They were all over them. And everything was going well. They were, they were, they were generating. They were, they were, uh, uh, dominating the play in the offensive zone along the end walls and uh, uh, on the cycle. And they got the 2 nothing lead, and that was great. So that's my good thing. We'll just stop it right there at the seven-and-a-half-minute mark. I was a very happy guy at that point in tonight. Bruce, and that, that, um, that just segues to my good thing, which was the play in – in regular time of the dry settle line. I'm not talking about overtime here. So set aside overtime, everybody, right now, just for a second, if you can. Set aside what happened in overtime. I'm talking about the even strength play of Leon Dreisettle's line with Kyler Yamamoto and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I thought they were really strong or strong this game. And they had um, a 30-second offensive zone sequence in the first period that ended up with Nugent Hopkins scoring, which was about as pretty... Uh, a passing sequence, virtuous cycle, as I like to call it, as we've seen from the Edmonton Oilers ever. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic playing, mm-hmm. passing by five strong offensive players. And so I'll just go through what happened. It was 30 seconds, 13 passes. Yamamoto to Dreisaitl, to Nugent Hopkins, to Dreisaitl, to Clefbaum, to Nugent Hopkins, to Bear, to Dreisaitl, to Bear, to Nugent Hopkins, to Clefbaum, to Dreisaitl at the point. He puts a shot on net, uh, that Yamamoto tips, rebound, Nugent Hopkins scores. It was fantastic. And th- this line created uh, other dangerous chances through the game. I thought it looked, it, Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl historically haven't played that well together. This was probably their best game together. And um, it was, it was. I thought Dreisaitl had a bounce. 
again, if we can set aside, if it's possible, and it's, I know it's hard to do, to set aside what happened in overtime where he was, we're going to get, get to how bad that was. But he, I thought he, he was concentrating on defensive play all game long at even strength, and he did a good job. So that line, and Yamamoto was strong, and McDavid's line was strong. So we had two top lines functioning at a fairly high level that game. So that was one of the encouraging things that, uh, that I saw. I guess my other, I, I actually have another good thing that I was ba- balancing two good things. My, I thought Mike Smith had a bounce back game and I know he let in three goals and he had a, what was his save percentage? Uh, three goals on 26 shots. So what's that about? Uh, uh, eight, eight five, something like that. I didn't fault him on really any of the goals against, I mean, Reinhardt's tip and Eichel's penalty shot. Those are both like triple A chances, right? You're going to score on 33% of those. Like Reinhardt's, a, a tip like that in front of the net from a wide open player, that's that's going to go in. Um, especially Reinhardt, who knows where to put the puck. And Eichel's, maybe on the first one, but it was it's absolutely crucial, Bruce. If the Oilers have any hope of making the playoffs, and they obviously do have a hope of making the playoffs, um, they need Mike Smith to put to bring them some solid games that they have a chance of winning, and he certainly did that tonight. He 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 was strong. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit because I'm just so. Because <laughs> he didn't give him five or six. <laughs> and he's better. I'll grant you better. That's right. But Bruce, he did. Play, he made some great saves, including that toe save in overtime on Reinhardt. I mean, yeah, that was good. There you go. Can you smile? Oh, you can. <laughs> He made some really good yeah. saves, and he played well. So I I was really encouraged by that. And man, do they need that, Bruce? Do they ever need? Oh. Now don't if now what we don't know if Koskinen's healthy or not. I hear he's sick. That was one of the someone told me on Twitter that he's sick, but I'm a little worried that he's injured based on that player in the third period. And if that's the case, they're going to really need Smith. Now who knows? Like you say, like Kat Silverman, she knows goalies. You're saying and. And um, she said, "This is a this is a streaky goaltender, Mike Smith. So what we desperately need is a good streak, and that could be that game was solid enough that that could be the start of a good streak if that's a, a streak." He, cer- kind of he certainly was animated enough. He his puck handling left me a little cold. Like uh, uh, he gave the puck away at literally five seconds into the first period, uh, and uh, a couple passes, you know where. The net was wide open if that thing gets picked off. But, yes, uh, that was a that was uh, those were. He was anima- He was animated and and into the game, and that's the Mike Smith that uh, that does play well. Uh, I frankly game. thought on the on the Lazar goal, uh, it was scored from inside the blue paint, so obviously there was other mm-hmm. problems that allowed the puck to get in there. But to me, the goalie's got to cut out passes inside the blue paint, which uh, Linus Ulmark did twice in this game to deny Edmonton potential dangerous scoring chances. And it didn't happen uh, when Buffalo passed that was, the puck in there. That wasn't a yeah. pass, was it? Wasn't it a wraparound shot? Well, didn't the, the guy came and wrapped it around. Like, so, so that's why I didn't fault Smith on that yeah. one because it's a wraparound shot. The puck's going to go somewhere on those usually. Like it's, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe he could have even stopped him before he got the wraparound shot. shot. You see him that sometimes do that. It, listen, I, I'm not... I, that wasn't a great goal against a goalie who's truly on his game is going to stop that. I think we both agree with that. So that was not, and that was a tough one. It's already in the game, but Bruce, I'm going to, I'm going to 
No, I won't do it. I won't segue again because I've been talking too much. What's your? Uh, that we'll just that was the momentum changer. Edmonton had dominated oh, those yeah. first seven and a half minutes. Buffalo scored on their second shot and their first decent chance of the game. And Edmonton never had at least the offensive momentum ever again for the rest of the game, basically. But I wasn't mad about at Smith. I was mad at Jujar Kara on mm-hmm. that play. Fair enough. I'm mad enough that I'm thinking post-game, it's time to send Jujar Kara to the minors. Um, or, or or to the press box again. Call up Joseph Gambardella, who I think is a superior hockey player to, to Kara. And uh, and for the checking line. Kara, how many times has he, has he bobbled the puck now? He gave away the puck there on the boards. You know, nothing doing. He just had it. He just had an easy thing. Made a play. Play. What am I saying? Play to make. Um, and um, he didn't make it. Just like I fumbled over those words. And he's got to he's got to make that pass. And why didn't he? I don't. We're asking ourselves that a little bit too much, are we not? Yeah, no, limp turnovers uh, behind his own blue line have been a major, major problem for this guy. And, uh, I mean, that was an example, but uh, not the f- anywhere close to the first example we've seen of him turning the puck over and it winding up soon thereafter in the back of the net. I like uh, that checking line, but not with him on it. Oh, he had some other things that went right, but that was just brutal. And there was really no pressure. Like, the puck came to him. He had time and space, and he just bobbled the puck right to his saber. And he was on the wrong side of that saber and was not able then to do anything about it. I guess they could put Patrick Russell in for him. I mean, they already have. But Russell, I think, I'm going to say Russell has had a good run of games in the NHL now. He's had a good chance here to establish himself as an NHLer, and he's failed to do it. Um, he's been okay. But yeah. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Gambardella. Now, I wonder if Russell was sent down. If I doubt he would be claimed. What do you think? They sent Patrick Russell down. Uh, I have no idea. I, 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 there's a chance he uh, might be claimed because he, he, he's, been, he's been okay. I'm sure he's impressed some of the teams. That I wouldn't mind against. if they sent risk sending Juju Carey down to the minors and risk losing him because he's got another year left. What is he earned? A million two or something like that? Like he's not paid the lead min- league minimum. So mm-hmm. um, if he's picked up, so be it. I mean, I don't think... How many years has it been now? Like this up and down, inconsistent play, bobbling of the puck. <sighs> What's your bad thing, Bruce? Uh, I'm going to go with the defense pairing of Darnell Nurse and Chris Russell. Um, the f- great fears that uh, many Oilers fans had about their ability or otherwise to move the puck out of their own zone yeah. uh, was seen time and again with not only not getting the puck out of their own zone, uh, but twice when they did get it over over their own blue line, absolutely lame turnovers in the neutral zone that led to 10 bell chances against. Uh, in particular, one by Nurse, just after the Oilers had killed off a penalty, where he came out on the wrong wing, and he decided to make a, a soft pass up the boards to Drysaddle, I think it was, that got picked off. And, okay, so it gets picked off. But then he ambled back into his own zone, and he didn't, like, bust his butt back on the two-on-one that came out of it. And because of that, uh, the guy that originally uh, uh, got the puck off him had an extra second to make a move and, and make his dangerous shot, where if Darnell had just been skating hard on the back check, uh, you know, he might have had a chance to break up the chance that resulted. And and I don't know where, where his head was on that play. You know, when you make a mistake in this game, you need to bust your butt to try and cover yourself off and your team off. And that just was missing on that play. And Russell had an egregious uh, 
Russell did the starfish on that play, and the starfish is what forced that extra move that because his partner wasn't hustling, the guy still got a shot off. Russell had came out over his own blue line and made a backhand pass that went directly to uh, uh, Victor Olsson, I think it was, for a breakaway. Yeah. And then on the 2-2 goal, I don't know what the hell happened, but Sam, Sam Reinhardt is standing directly in front of the net. The puck is directly in the middle of the point, and both defensemen just went to the two sides and said, here, Sam, why don't you have a free go at tipping this one? Oh, you scored. And Darnell, like he went, he stepped to the, he anticipated a pass that didn't come. And then by the time he stepped back, it was too late. But, uh, you know, take the man in front of the net, one of you two guys, like, that's pretty fundamental hockey. The owners were kind of discombobulated on that play. Like Archibald could have gone out to the point and challenged the shooter. Like they weren't killing a penalty there. And then it's, it's like the, it was, there was, I'm going to look at that goal against, maybe there was more players to blame than, um, we blamed Archibald Nurse and and Russell so far, but there might have been Pretty something going on with, those three. with a winger also. Like, it just was a mess. Like, Archibald should have been challenging that shooter. Like, why let him take all the time in the world to tee it up like that? Why give Bogosian all that time for the shot? And and what were Nurse and Russell? It was like, isn't that three on the key, three in the key for Reinhardt? I mean, he was just standing there unmolested yeah. in front of the net for, for like, you know, three beats, like one two three goal like but what do you expect he's got good hands so that was Bruce they can't have like we know this we've we've seen this movie before you know you're always hopeful maybe they'll get it right this time but these two players are not strong enough puck movers to play again play again uh, with each other at the NHL level they're just not and and I don't know what that says about nurse's value like but he he's got to play I think he has a lot of value, but he's got mm-hmm. to play I with a superior too. puck mover. He but can't he's play the tank this last two weeks. He can't he's play with Chris aggressively and, with and Ru- he's not Chris Russell. Play, well, he and Russell. I mean, Ru- Russell's play on the right side. We saw it two, three times tonight. Just bunt the puck off the boards and hope it gets by the guy at the blue line, so that they have to retreat to the neutral zone before they come pouring back into the zone. And yeah. You also can't have, like, it's time to put Caleb Jones back in because Jones can handle the puck. And I don't think he was playing that poorly. I don't know why he was taken out, honestly. I, I like playing Lagesson. You know, maybe you should sit Russell for a game. Um, see how that goes. Uh, yeah, go well, he played 22 minutes tonight. So uh, I guess that's probably not in the plans. But uh, uh, Dave Tippett has been loath to put him on the right side on the second pairing for the year, and he's he's been correctly loath, but uh, <laughs> not loath enough these last last couple of games with the yes. uh, with the switch out in the lineup. That because uh, that 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 is just a pair that is uh, um, there's there's a couple of common weaknesses, and and it's uh, and it costs him, and certainly cost him tonight. And uh, yeah. You see, I think Jones is good enough as a puck mover to play him on that side of the ice. You don't really notice it, do you? When he's out there, you don't. You, it's not always right. shrieking in your head. Oh my God, they've got a guy on the wrong side, and look, he's bungling it again. That's how good Caleb Jones is as a puck mover in my eyes. Like he he can get by in a third pairing role on that side. So don't move away from that. Like you had something I don't think that was broken. I wouldn't have fixed that. Certainly not by putting Nurse and Russell together. That's not a fix. And we saw why tonight. And we're gonna we'll see enough of that. Like if he wants to keep rolling this, he's gonna see a lot. He'll see more of that. Uh, we can assure the coach that. So maybe he needs to. He needed to learn 
and hopefully <laughs> the coach learned that lesson tonight. Don't do that. All right, my bad thing, Bruce, the overtime rush by Eichel. Um, I don't really, you know, we tag Clefbaum on the play. Clefbaum, um, you know, did get beat by him. But but really, the, the defenseman on that, in that moment, I guess the strategy was keep Clefbaum on Eichel because he's the main oh. focus. And But Dreisaitl, no, maybe it wasn't the best strategy. Maybe if he challenged Leon to cover Eichel, that might have been the better idea. But Dreisaitl has been so weak defensively, and man, he made a terrible, soft defensive stick check. And um, that's why the Oilers lost the game. They, Eichel went in there on the breakaway, led, led to a penalty shot and a great eight chance. Yeah, and an unbelievable problem. acrobatic save. So by Smith's, all of that was on uh, maybe a bad strategy by the coach. I don't know. Uh, maybe just Leandre sort of blowing the play. Well, I mean, the strategy is uh, if you're having Clefbaum on Eichel man on man, uh, Clef was, I mean, he's not used to playing forward. He was at the no. top of the faceoff circle trying to cover Jack Eichel. And as soon as Eichel made a step to the outside, Oscar was scrambling and he never did catch him. I mean, he's the guy who fouled Eichel from behind that they deemed a penalty shot. It was him, eh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what it says on the game sheet here. Yeah. Is that it was on uh, on Clefbaum for hooking that pretty soft was. penalty shot, but uh, well, he didn't get a shot away, and he wasn't alone, so that yeah, was what the ref saw. So, so I mean, Oscar just didn't judge his angles right, or he was too deep. And then you have Drysaddle trying to cover, come over to cover Oscar's man, but he's not a defenseman, and that play coming across uh, the ice uh, laterally. In the neutral zone, that's a defenseman's kind of play. Like if Drysaddle's a deep forward and Clefbaum's out of center, I, I think that's less likely to develop into the catastrophe that it did. So you're saying it's on the coach? Well, I'm saying it's on the <laughs> circumstances. I will say this: uh, Ralph Kruger plus one for putting Curtis Lazar in to win the faceoff in overtime, and Edmonton never touched the puck except for Mike Smith. They never once touched the puck in a minute and nine seconds overtime. It's the third straight overtime game that they've lost, and they are minute 14, minute 13, minute nine. Each time their first line, their first trio played the entire time, spent it in chase mode, and then got beat at the end of a long shift. So Master maybe the other teams have got it figured out, and uh, maybe Tippett's going to have to have a look at a strategy. Maybe he should send Riley Shane in to win the draw and then have him switch out for... Somebody because well, Lazar settles pretty Dreisaitl, good on faceoffs. He had a good night on faceoffs, but Lazar owned him in the last uh, ten minutes of the third period. Of, uh, Kruger made that adjustment down the stretch of that game, and Lazar won a few draws, and uh, he won that one. He got the hell off the ice, and they put out Reinhardt. And like I say, Edmonton never once touched the puck. Well, there was one time I thought McDavid had a real good shot out in the neutral zone, and he didn't even seem to want to go get it. So. Buffalo kept possession uh, that time. Yeah, this is. was, you know, I mean, these are tiny little things, but you got to have the friggin' puck if you want to get it done in overtime. Get the puck, either win the bloody draw or go out and check somebody and take it off them. I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's just so that, frustrating. It's, to watch. it's like they don't want to hustle, there. Bruce. It's like they don't want to hustle because they want to oh. conserve their energy so they, when they get the puck, they can have energy. If but they get just the puck. if they get the puck, but you got to hustle. Like, they got it, if you get it. It hasn't it's been no working in overtime nope. for those guys, and it's partly because so tonight we'll, we'll just kind of conserve our energy when we don't have the puck. But like you say, that leads you not to hustling to win the puck, and 
I don't know. It's not working. Yeah, didn't work. And that was a now that that was a good catch by you on the Lazar faceoff. That was a I did I hadn't noticed that. But yeah, um, that, I, in the third period it happened a couple of times, and it was and it was key. But um, you got to make that play, Leon Dreisaitl. You got to back up. You got to defend, and uh, that didn't happen. All right, what's your number? Uh, my number tonight is plus one. And that is the uh, plus minus of the much maligned Leon Dreisaitl, who uh, officially was plus one in regulation and officially was not a minus in overtime because penalty shots are not scored on the plus minus scale at all. It's, a, it's the shooter against the goalie. So even the guys that are responsible for the chaos don't get charged with it. So Leon, after an incredible run of uh, minuses where he had eight minus games in a row. He finally had a break even and he followed that up with eight more minus games in a row. I mean, literally, I have never seen the like. And I'm not sure you could find this on the 1974-75 Washington Capitals. Like, I just don't understand it. Uh, but tonight he was plus one and he was he was really good other than the one power play Edmonton had that was basically garbage and then that shift in overtime. And all the time that Leon was driving his own line, as people like to say, he was fine. He actually had a pretty good game, and his line had a good game. You know, guess what? He had two actual talented, skilled, fast wingers on his line, as opposed to what he usually gets on the, uh, you know, on the on the second unit. And they had it going on. Like Kari Yamamoto, he was terrific in this game. I really like Yamamoto's game. Yeah, yeah. I gave him a seven. Um, <laughs> well deserved seven. He. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, well earned. He uh, he played well. First, my both ends of the ice too, eh? Yeah, he made some good defensive plays. So did yeah. Nugent Hopkins. So did Drysaddle. It was just an overtime. And and the more I think about it, the more I think that um, that strategy of having Clefbaum cover Eichel was not the best idea. If that was indeed the strategy, maybe that's just how it developed. Like everyone take a man and stick with them. But um, but Clefbaum usually the the, the winger kind of hangs back. And, um, or excuse me, the defenseman usually hangs back and is there at the blue line. Like, Oscar Clefbaum doesn't make that mistake um, that uh, Drysaddle made at the blue line. He would have backed in. Right. Okay, my number, um, Bruce, is 1209. And that's Adam Larson's ice time. And that's interesting to me as well because he has been, I thought he'd been playing really well. Um, I guess maybe it's more a uh, comment on them not fully trusting William Lagesson. And, well, Lagesson did get beat uh, at least on one play, where, which led to a really dangerous scoring chance for the Buffalo Sabres. So maybe in, he only played 922. So maybe just because they were worried, afraid to put out um, Lagesson, Larson got that little playing time. But I don't think that's a very good idea. Larson is a good hockey player. He's... A better hockey player, I think, than than Chris Russell. So maybe they should have just switched up the pairings, but uh, got Larson out there more. But they, you know, I don't see uh, in that game playing Nurse twenty four forty one when he was having maybe his worst game of the year, one of his worst games of the year. Russell, like you said, twenty two minutes for Russell and 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 Larson only twelve oh nine. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, our coach got some explaining to do after tonight's game, I think. But anyway, 
Uh, and here's a bonus number for you. The last four third periods, going back to the Vancouver game just before Christmas, uh, the Oilers have been outscored 9-1. to one. And if you take out empty net goals, it's 8-0. Eight to, eight to zero. They haven't scored a single goal in the last four third periods on a goalie. And they've given in eight. And twice they had a lead and blew it in Vancouver and again tonight. And once they had a huge lead and nearly blew it in, uh, on Sunday night against Rangers... And once they were behind and they never had any pushback against Calgary. And that's, uh, you know, I don't know what it takes to get the team to play a full 60 minutes. But, uh, you know, you got a 2-1 lead in the third period in this league. You you know, you got to make it stand up. you got to find a way to either build on that lead or not make blatant mistakes like they did on tonight's tying goal. Well, what would do it is, I mean, I, I think, so... On the plus side, because we have, we're, you know, we uh, have been negative here. But on the plus side, I think I have. <laughs> what it will take for them to do it is solid defensive play from their top three centers Nugent Hopkins, Drysidle, and McDavid. And usually mostly one of them. Mostly they got that tonight. And mostly they got that tonight. So I, I was encouraged by that. And I was encouraged by Mike Smith's play. I thought Ethan Bear and Oscar Clefbaum were, were generally really, really strong together. I just love the way they both are smart hockey players who can really move the puck. And it's nice to see two really good puck movers work together. I mean, when was the last time we saw that in Edmonton? Because usually when you have one of them in Edmonton, you have to put him with one of the guys who can't move the puck to balance things out. But th- they decided to go with these two guys together. And I've really liked the results. So just, it's, it's fun to watch the Oilers have that kind of passing th- that exists when they're together. So those two guys are rolling. I just think they need to uh, play Caleb Jones. He's, he's, a better puck mover than than the other the other four guys who played tonight, including Darnell Nurse. I mean, if, if you it just count passing the puck as opposed to rushing the puck, with because Nurse does well there, they got to get Jones back in the lineup and um, Jujar Kara out of the lineup. I like the top two lines, and let's let's hope that Smith can keep this good play up and that Koskinen isn't uh, nicked up or, or hurt or anything like that. So. Yeah, we'll have a chance to turn it around on Saturday morning, but they're playing a lot tougher team than they were tonight. I mean, this is the annoying thing. Like, Buffalo is a beatable team. And oh, so Oilers, is Boston. Oilers have lost the season series, both games of the season series to Buffalo now three times in the last four years. Yeah, and that yeah. gets old pretty fast when you're talking about, you know, I mean, I know the Oilers are down there too, but you'd like to think you have a, a an even or better chance to be, beat that team and didn't happen. Oh, yeah, really frustrating. Because like you, like you said, they came out so well. Yeah. Yeah, they really came out flying. Everything was going for them, and, and deservedly so. Like, it wasn't a 2 nothing lead built on nothing. It was built oh. on a really great play. Mm-hmm. But, Bruce, they, I, I think they can beat Boston. The game will come down to bounces, great plays, and brain cramps, just like any NHL game. And Now, Boston tends to make a fewer brain cramps than, than teams like the Oilers do. But if, if the Oilers are concentrating, they can they can play a, a good game. They can bring that A game that we've seen probably, you know, five, six, seven, eight times this year and shut down a good team. We've seen that on a number of occasions. So hopefully we'll see it on uh, Saturday. Bruce, let's leave it there. All right, Dave. Thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Sorry for being such a negative Ned. I'm just in a grumpy mood after that one. Ned Harkness? In the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.